0: On everybody hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch report with me Jean-Luc Ruch. make some noise and clap it up get excited oh my gosh in fact cut the music we don't need no intro right now what in the world just happened in the NBA my goodness my word oh my gosh when we, oh shoot! I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm trying to contain my excitement. Actually, I'm bump containing excitement. I'm excited. I'm just trying to keep it in control. Cause what in the world do we just witness on the trade deadline? Hi, how you doing? By the way, I'm Jean-Luc Welch, of the world Report. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so sorry. Quit this slam. so sorry for being away from the camera and the microphone for your viewing and listening pleasure. I've been sick. I've been under the weather. I haven't got my voice. Was it what was betraying me? to be able to do what i wanted to do talking about the all that goes on in the latest and greatest in the sports world right here with you people viewers and listeners i just i couldn't do it but man i'm still under the weather today i'm still fighting through it but i'm fighting through it today because good gosh you want to talk about major news the nba world just blew up with a whole a gaggle of trades left, right, and center right before the deadline. News has just exploded, and the dynamic of the NBA has shifted in a major way for for, for all contenders and title prospects involved. This is this from a... Trade deadline that seemed to be dead in the water. Something that nobody really would have cared about. A trade deadline that just had a lot of speculation. No real actual attainable substance for us to, to, to ooh and ah at, or get excited or concerned about. It just seemed a ho-hum, drab event that was just going to not bear any fruit. It was going to be uh, whatever. All big talk, nothing happens. Then on the 5th, good gosh, on the 5th. It, it, it from the fifth on, just everything just exploded for the NBA award. It, it could, great day in the morning. My goodness, uh, trades after trades after trades after trades after trades just all just blew up everywhere, everywhere around the league. We, we're going to talk about it all right here, right now. Let's get it started. Quick disclaimer, or rather, quick promotion. If you're watching here on YouTube, please like the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions. Uh, uh, Subscribe to the channel. Yes, like the video. And share the channel with everybody that you know. So they can get in on this energy. On this fervor. On this fire. And they can... I uh, help build up this empire of the World Report to make this a, a a major thing for the world to be able to come and be a part of. It. And I will thank you so much for doing it. And we're on every podcasting platform, whether it's Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify. Don't matter. We're everywhere, and you can listen to us any time of the day, at any point in the day. At any at your convenience. Oh, you can listen to us on all platforms and on YouTube at the same time at once. Like we say, surround sound if you like it like that. But, <laughs> but we, 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 oh, we, we got to get it started right here, right now. We, we have so much to cover. Dallas making a trade. Phoenix getting Kevin Durant. The Lakers revamping their entire roster. What the world's going to happen with the Brooklyn Nets? And and, and and their essentially reconstruction starting today, or rather, started starting on shoot, starting on the fifth, to be perfectly honest. And and oh, by the way, lest we forget, LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record that almost got overshadowed by all this news and all of this, all the trades that came about. So let's shoot, let's break it down right here, right now, with where it all started. In this snowball effect of a trade deadline, the, the the Dallas Mavericks, good gosh, from out of nowhere, when it seemed like the, the Brooklyn Nets were doing pretty well, do, 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 well not, not doing pretty well, but seemed like they were going to sit on Kyrie and, and, and Katie, all of a sudden, boom, Kyrie demands a trade out of nowhere. What the world? Like days before the deadline ended. Really, a shock to the system for the entire ecosystem of the NBA in terms of what the trade deadline was going to consist of. Nobody, the biggest name was maybe OG Ed and Anobi, but now Kyrie Irving just made a major splash and just revamped everybody's plans for what they were going to do in the, in, the, in the trade deadline. And the Dallas Mavericks pulled it out and made the trade form, giving up Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks for Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. What? Wow. Let's break down what this means. Well, first off, for the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to cover the book on this, and we're going to cover them later because it's a bigger, it's an even more substantial, trade that was made with them involving Kevin Durant that we all know by now but sticking with the Dallas Mavericks now that they traded for Kyrie Irving they have fixed one of the potholes that we have been clamoring for that I've been asking for for Luka Doncic on the Dallas Mavericks team can you get a second star to actively carry the load alongside Luka Doncic Luka Magic can you get him some legitimate help so he doesn't run out of tricks from his hat that has stifled this team every time they get to the playoffs no matter how good they look like they are no matter how much of a carry job we see Luka able to do again Luka's hurt now Expected to make his return tonight with I believe tonight I believe they played tonight with Kyrie Irving the first time as a duo playing together but with him being on the roster, it finally begs the question of, well, shoot, what can Luca do with a solid number two? Now, with that, with that, there was a disclaimer. Even with Kyrie Irving and Luca Doncic being the best, well, mm, mm, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, no, I, I, I had a second guessing, but you know what, this is the correct statement. With Luca Doncic and Kyrie Irving, Now, going to be on the floor together. That is the best backcourt in the NBA. I believe it's a backcourt, frontcourt, best guard duo in the NBA. It's the best guard duo in the NBA, bar none. Luka and Kyrie Irving together, one of uh, an efficient, bona fide scorer, and the other one is a playmaking magician that can give you 30 and 35 and has become one of the most unstoppable offensive threats in the entirety of the NBA. That's what you're getting from Kyrie and Luka Doncic. On the flip side, however, they had to give up Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie, okay, you're replacing that with Kyrie Irving. Fine. Understandable. that that was most likely going to be have to happen if they even want a shot at getting Kyrie. Irving. So, I so the point makeup in the offensive talent that of Spencer Dinwiddie is hey, is there cool in Kyrie? It's better in Kyrie, Irving. so you make up that, but now you lose some serious depth not just in in um Spencer Dinwiddie but in Dorian Finney Smith, a great defender that can defend one through three, one through four, to be perfectly honest. Very well. And it's one thing that Dallas already didn't have a whole lot of, which was defensive substance. Finn Smith was, for my opinion, one of the, if not the best defender that they had on the roster. And with him gone, now this looks like a squad who is going to be a version of the Brooklyn Nets 2.0. Now, what do I mean by that? A A offensive squad that... Again, the offense is their defense. Their saving grace is not good at they're going to be able to stop anybody. But it's the fact they're going to be able to outscore everybody with their just overwhelming ability to put the ball in the bucket. Again, now you got Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic. Oh, don't forget, they were able to keep Tim Hardaway Jr. as well. So that's a great piece. They can also put the ball in the bucket as a great third option in scoring. Powell is a lob threat, and then you got a bunch of other pieces on the roster that hey can put the ball can just put the ball in the bucket. Reggie Bullock, I believe he's on the team. Reggie Bullock, just a knockdown three point shooter, and a bunch of other shooters spread out on that team. So it's not that they can't score; it's just they couldn't stop anybody. Now they've upped one aspect of the game and, and dulled another one in having. Worst defense, but having an even better offense that's going to be one of the scarier offenses in the entirety of the league. We forget Kyrie Irving can play off the ball. Luca's going to be the ball-dominant man on this roster. I can almost guarantee you that because you don't want to give up that level of playmaking, that level of wizardry when it comes to getting people open with Luca having the ball in his hands you don't want to give that up by taking it out of his hands putting the Kyrie hands but now you get an offense that is predicated around you can run iso ball with either Luca or Kyrie as well as have Luca just run the point like he normally does and have Kyrie Irving play off the ball which in himself gives gravity that opens up the floor for Luka to have even better playmaking because now you have to worry about where Kyrie is. I'm not calling Kyrie Stephen Curry in terms of off ball movement and being able to, to have weight off the ball. No, we understand that Kyrie is probably the greatest, not Kyrie Irving, We understand that Steph Curry is probably the greatest off ball player that we've seen in NBA history, at least for my money. And so, because of that, <coughs> excuse me, because of that, now you get to see. A very dynamic, very potent offense. That also, if the game is close, unless well, we forget, Kyrie Irving is one of the best fourth quarter scores in the NBA right now. Is at the, I believe, at the top potentially for most points scored in the fourth quarter in clutch time for NBA games. And so, if you need an explosion, now you got to a, 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 a shoot. Who you who you want to guard? you want to guard? You got both. You got one person who can just take it by himself, score by himself, and Kyrie Irving without any help whatsoever. And then you got Luca who can do the exact same thing. But on top of that, is a better playmaker. And whoever you give up in terms of which, whoever you try to sag off of, or not give as much credence to, they're going to use that and pick apart the the, the defense. And just pinpoint and get everybody else involved. Both of them had the ability to do that. Again, Luca can do it better, but the point still stands. Now you're looking at a very scary dynamic duo of talent that can legitimately make us some serious noise in the West. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but what I am saying is the fact that we just saw with Ky- with Kyrie Irving playing yesterday, we just saw what he can do. Just by himself with this Mavericks roster. Played phenomenally well. Got everybody involved. Offense was flowing. We it, it was great. What I see from just Kyrie without Luka, this is a great fit. With Kyrie there, or rather with Luka coming back from heel injury, I believe tonight this is going to be a a. a Very, not just entertaining, but a very interesting duo to look at for the rest of the Western Conference, let alone the entirety of the league, because of the fact that now you get two of the most creative, offensively gifted, player-elevating, again, athletes in the NBA today playing together, building chemistry from now up until the end of the season we can see truly that if this squad can potentially rise up from the roadblocks that they consistently hit and make a serious run at a championship if not this year next year now why do i say if not this year next year because again the one thing with this if we have to ask this is not hate this is just the truth Whether or not Kyrie Irving will be here long-term, we can look and gawk at all the good that we can see on this roster and all the good that we can see this duo bring to the table. And as unstoppable as we can see this duo be for the entirety of the league, how long is this actually going to last? Will Kyrie want to be here for the long-term? Or will he ask for another trade come the offseason? Will he do it? Because again, he he effectively forced his way out of Brooklyn because he didn't want to be there. I still believe he wants to be in Los Angeles with the, L, with the Lakers. But, pushed his way out of Brooklyn, got on to the Mavericks, and yes, he's out, but we still have to question, is this where he wants to be long-term? And whether or not any outside influences or outside, quote unquote, distractions or any outside dilemmas will cause this situation to go awry again, whether they're controllable or not. That's what we have to ask. Because if he wants to sign long term with Dallas, now we have to look at if he does, what is it going to take for him to stay in a position? That's the question we have to ask now. What is it going to take for him to want to be in a spot long term? Because he said "On in Boston, I want to be here long term. In Brooklyn, if you'll have me, I want to be here long term. Now he's in Dallas. Is he going to make the same speech and the same sentiment of, hey, I want to be here and I want to build something here long term and actually commit to it? Or is it going to be a situation where by the end of the season, and in the off season, when trades, when the trade deadline, or when when the trade window reopens for the entirety of the NBA, will he ask out again? Because it's only a one year deal ends this year. There, at least the contract that he had coming from Brooklyn, is he going to stay or is he going to leave? It's a legitimate question that needs to be asked when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Because I would love to see Dallas lock him up and look at that dynamic duo play for a long period of time. That would be phenomenal to see. And they did their job in getting him help. Still need to make some more moves to bolster up that roster. But for the time being, hey, this is great. This is great. It's not perfect, but this is just what we needed if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan and or if you're Luca, give me another playmaker. Give me another bona fide scorer and another, another bona fide star that can take the heat off of me. So that when the playoffs come around, they're not only looking at stopping me and if they do that, they're able to win the game. Or containing me, if you're Luca, and if they, if they can do that, they win the game. That's what they. That's what's been going on in Dallas. Now you don't have that problem with Kyrie being there, because now you have to put resources into stopping Kyrie, or he'll kill you. But with that being said, is if is this only going to be a a half a season thing, and is Kyrie ever going to ask out in the off or will he be here for the long term, and will the Mavericks be able to lock him down? And keep him there for longer than just this year. That's what can potentially happen. That's the fear. But all in all, this is great. This is phenomenal, and this just started the 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 spiral of what the world's going on in the NBA. Oh, lest we forget going and continuing on with the with the. Um, you know, I lost my train of thought. Gosh, I got so excited. Continuing on with the trades that were going around. Good gosh, the Suns made it happen. The Brooklyn when when Brook, Brooklyn traded away KD to the Suns for Malik Bridges, Cameron Johnson. Jay Crowder, four first round picks in the 2028 20, pick swap. Wow. First off, we're going to start with Phoenix. Phoenix, you made a great move. This is a phenomenal move because now you have a legitimate big three that won't implode like we saw with Brooklyn. Kevin Durant. Is now in a spot with CP3, who wants to be there, going to be there, and is a, a, a great player, consummate professional, Devin Booker, young, great talent, offensive threat, defense. We still need some work, but still a bona fide star and superstar in the league. And now you have add KD. You add if you're if you're KD, you add yourself amongst that roster, coupled with DeAndre Ayton. The only weak spot on that starting five is Torrey Craig. Good gosh. That's the best starting five in the NBA today. That is the best starting five in the NBA today. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Torrey Craig, and Kevin Durant. Rounding out that elite roster. See, from a starting five perspective, this is huge. Because this gives Chris Paul the best situation to actually have a shot at winning a championship. See, so what you thought that? Last year, not not last year, but a couple years ago, when he faced off against the Bucks, that, that was going to be his best shot. This is his best shot at winning a title. That's the reason why everybody has them as title favorites because that 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 starting squad, that first five, is so potent and so dynamic, and especially with CP three having the keys to that offense, coupled with Monty Williams being the coach. Man, you got yourself a recipe for unimaginable success come this season. For the rest of the season. This is phenomenal if you are the Phoenix Suns. Absolutely. Now you lose a lot in Malik Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and Jay Crowder. Specifically Malik Bridges and Malik Bridges and Cameron Johnson in terms of their ability to defend the ball and be young and athletic. Malik Bridges, one of the better, one of the best off—not offense, excuse me, one of the best defensive players in the NBA today. Absolutely, as well as with Jay Crowder, a potent and competent defensive guy can also defend the four if if, if necessary. Can act as a bully. Can act as a guy that can be the the, the fiery uh, teammate that that does the dirty work. And then Cameron Johnson, what is he, 6'9", 6'10", power forward who can pull up and can get to the back basket on occasion, a great young talent, you lose that. And with that, you lose a whole bunch of depth. Yes, you do. You lose a whole bunch of depth when it comes to that Phoenix Suns roster. Phoenix Suns, outside of Dario Saric, ain't got nobody coming off the bench except for what Cameron Payne and Dario said so that's it. For a roster this top-heavy, for a roster this top-heavy, it might not even matter. Might. I ain't say I didn't say it will not. It might not even matter because now you have a roster that is built where you can have one star on the court at any given point in the game. If you want it to be Chris Paul, it can be Chris Paul. If you want it to be KD, it can be KD. If you want it to be Devin Booker, you can be, it can be Devin Booker. Especially because Devin Booker now has gained the ability to, to facilitate better than he used to be able to. He's not just a one-trick pony in terms of all I do is get buckets. No, I can facilitate buckets too if you're Devin Booker. That's the type of skill that he's gained as his experience as a player has, 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 has stretched more and more throughout his career. And because of that, oh, by the way, you can also have DeAndre Ayton on the floor with the bench unit. Or you can just have to run two and two. It doesn't there's so many different dynamics that you can have with that roster, because it's so top heavy, it's both a strength and a weakness. The strength being again you had the best starting five in the entirety of the NBA. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I don't care what anybody says. Get you what do you want to say it's Boston, what do you want to say it's Milwaukee? What do you want to say it's Denver? All of that is false. The Phoenix Suns have the best starting five in the entirety of the NBA. That's the truth. That's a known truth. That's a given truth. Absolutely, that's the case. And because of that, this team is slated and is a favorite now to win a title. This team is a favorite to win a title. Skyrocketed themselves up to win a title. After a couple, let's face it, a couple months of them struggling, if you're Phoenix, whether it was injury or otherwise, this team was struggling, struggling, and underperforming up to the standards of what we thought this team could be. It would they were. They were. And now, however, from those asses, you Elevate yourself and put yourself back in legitimate contention to be talked about as a credible threat for the entirety of the NBA. That's what the Phoenix Suns have done. Ownership, phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. That new owner that just came in, brother, you are making a splash. James Jones, you are making a splash. This is great. James Jones said, forget picks. We don't want no draft capital. We want what we want right here, right now, which is a title shot. And they got it. They got it, and they got it for three plus years with Kevin Durant's contract. Ooh, this is a big time move. Completely moved Denver out of the way in terms of who had the best shot at winning a title. Completely moved them out of the way. Just muscled your way into we got the best odds at winning a title. Pelicans, forget y'all. Denver, forget y'all. Los Angeles, forget y'all. Clevers, forget y'all. That's what they said, if you're the Phoenix Suns. That's what the Suns said. Forget every, forget all y'all. No, we're making a splash. We're making it now. Again, this move is a, good gosh, it's a phenomenal. It's a major move because nobody, nobody expected it. Nobody expected it especially with the way that the Brooklyn Nets were talking about or seemingly going about their business with handling KD and Kyrie, or rather with handling KD after Kyrie even got traded. Now it's come to light that they made, they promised, essentially promised KD that if something, if you sign with us long-term and something goes awry, We will work with you to move you out of the team. And they did it. They kept their word and they did just that. Again, after the trade, now this information is coming out. But Brooklyn, who? Who? Moving on from Phoenix, who, again, just to wrap up the summary of that team, phenomenal title contender. Great title contender. Best starting five in the league. However, their bench is abysmal. They they have no bench. Let's face it. Outside of of Dargo Sarge and Cameron Payne, they have no bench. Do they need a bench? Well, we'll find out. In this league, you need depth if you want to be able to really make a splash. We can see if it all bodes that that they don't need it. We can see. Because right now, this team looks utterly potent. but They don't have any depth. Cause they gave it all away, and we gonna see whether that hurts or doesn't hinder them in making them for the title come this season. But going to Brooklyn as a whole, in the midst and in, in light of both the Kyrie and KD trade, boy, y'all, this is one of the worst flops that I've seen in recent memory. A super team deconstructed season by season up until the only vestige of any semblance of what used to be is Ben Simmons. That is bad. That is terrible. That is horrible. That's that's disgusting. If you are the Brooklyn Nets, that is outright sad if you're the Brooklyn Nets. That they couldn't keep this together. They couldn't make James Harden, KD, and Kyrie work. That it left you. Them within the span of five years. Making three of the biggest moves that we've seen this season. Getting Kevin Durant. Getting Kyrie Irving. In a single move. Getting James Harden. And then trading away James Harden, trading away Kevin Durant, and trading away Kyrie Irving. Shoot, that's actually, that's what? That's actually six, six six moves, six of the biggest trades and, and moves that we've seen over the span of the decade. Both came from you and went with you. Getting Kyrie, Katie, getting Kyrie, getting James Harden, and then letting go, trading KD, trading Kyrie, and trading James Harden, building up and deconstructing down the entire what the that entire team, that was absolutely terrible. My word, that's just sad. That's sad for the Brooklyn Nets. And yes, boom, you got Thomas who's been running amok, having a bunch of 40-point games. Didn't have one last night, had a 20-point game. But either way, showing that, hey, he's a great beast. Getting back Spencer Dinwiddie. Getting Malik Bridges. Getting Cameron Johnson. Get, getting Jay Crowder. Now you got a bunch of depth, but you don't have any bona fide star start. And what was versus what is is such a, a big dynamic. Or rather, such a big cosmic shift in terms of what you used to have versus what you do have now. That that is a Sean Mark. You, all you all you can do is shake your head if you're looking at Sean Mark. He made the best of the work. He made the best of an entirely horrible situation. But this is this is sad. This is sad. From legitimate title contender. To just shock and awe. Shock and awe. Looking at this book of that Squad. It's abysmal. Yes, now they have depth, now they have picks, now they got swaps, they got trade capital, all that stuff. Doesn't negate the fact that they have they have single-handedly built up and tore down their own kingdom from the inside. From the inside. And. Woo. 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 You can look at this squad and just be flabbergasted. By the absolute. Roller coaster of a ride. That this team was. Ending into what this team is. And now only Ben Simmons is the only vest again vestige vapors of what was and he ain't even playing well shoot he might be out come the one to trade that line for but nobody wants him and rightfully so because he doesn't he's not worth anything he's not worth anything as a player right now to any other players around the league that's what a lot of teams that's how a lot of teams view him and who from from Kings of the East, or looking to be kings of the East, taking the Bucks to a Game Seven, foot on the line is a foot on the line was the defining factor in, in what your championship aspirations were. Katie Mooses for the inch back, we could be looking at a whole new scenario for what we just saw in this trade deadline for what this Brooklyn Nets team could be but nah that's not the case no more now you're looking at a team fully in reconstructive mode fully in we're back to square one fully in we are building anew from what was what the team used to be which was we have everything to make a legitimate shot of the title that's what it was. Even this season, with all the turmoil that we want to talk about them, they got it together, and they again, twelve game win streak against legitimate, competent top competition. Not no names were looking like they were on the rise, waiting for Kevin Durant to come back. Pair back up with Kyrie. And then bring this momentum forward into the second half of the season. That's what it was looking like. All looked like it was going to be right once KD came back. And then at the drop of a bucket. Kyrie wants out. And then they get Kyrie out. They get KD out. Get a bunch of assets. Get a bunch of assets. Absolutely. But that doesn't negate the fact that. Does not that does not negate the fact that what this team was supposed to be and what this team is is not in any way, shape, or form what was in the cards, what what the what the Nets expected were going to be in the cards for this Nets organization, and this we have to view this as a failure. We have to, despite the fact that they got Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. A bunch of first and second round picks, as well as getting Malik Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. Even with all of that, this team is still a failure. That the, the, from what it was, this whole process that they've been starting completely ended and and blew up in flames. And it's it's a shame to see, but it's the nature of the NBA so unpredictable and so volatile but even with that I wasn't expecting this at all this is this is abysmal this is bad this is so bad this is so bad this is so bad for the Brooklyn Nets they're back to square one And and from here up I don't know what they do I don't know what they do I truly don't know what they do Build around Thomas potentially, but that can either be this can either be a one season thing or a couple month span. Where Thomas is playing great, and he falls back down to earth, and that could be a big mistake. You don't know; it's so unpredictable right now. It's so unpredictable right now for what's going on in Brooklyn. But we can only categorize this whole experiment from Brooklyn, this whole championship inspiring movement that Brooklyn made throughout the seasons. As a failure. It has ended. The era is done. Katie, James Harden, and Kyrie, that whole stint has officially not come full circle. But the circle has become complete in terms of the journey is over. Everybody's gone. Everybody's left. And, and nobody in the organization is better for it. Nobody in the organization is better for it. Not a soul is better for it. This is all you can do. Like I said, is shake your head in shame. Because it's almost unbelievable that we're looking at this team and asking how in the world did this happen? How in the world did we let this slip through our fingers? Some of it was controllable. Some of it was uncontrollable. But all of it was a complete failure. Failure, All of it was a complete failure. Everything was... It's, it's, its Start back from square one. That's all we can say. A complete and utter disappointment is what the Brooklyn Nets are. And then from that, my goodness, that same day, what the world, Russell Westbrook's gone. I don't believe it. I don't believe it couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. All of that. Before the deadline ended. All of that. Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers finally got the boot. The Lakers, amongst all of this and all these trades, made the decision to cut tied to Russell Westbrook, let him go, move him off the roster, get him out of here. In a three-team trade, Where Minnesota, with Minnesota and the Utah Jazz, where Minnesota gets Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander Walker, three second round picks in 2024, 25, and 26. And the Jazz get Juan Toscano Anderson, Russell Westbrook, and Damian Jones, and a 2027 first round pick. And the Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and and Malik Beasley on top of. The next day on, on the night, training away Thomas Bryant and bringing back or bringing to the roster from the Orlando Magic, Mo Baba. The Lakers somehow, from the depths of darkness, pulled the unthinkable and revamped their entire roster with youth, shooting, defense, and legitimate talent. Against all odds. I was just here on the last episode, I believe, talking about how bad Rob Blinker had made this organization and how much he had, again, done an abysmal job of building what needed to be built with this squad. And from out of nowhere, he made the move and he pulled the trigger. And what did I, who did I say? And got rid of everybody that I said that the Lakers needed to get rid of. Russell Westbrook. And Juan Toscano Anderson. Oh, by the way, and in that um, Thomas Bryant trade, they traded away, or they traded with Thomas Bryant for, for uh, some picks, I believe. And, in fact, let me make sure I got a bite. Let me make sure I got a bite right. sure right so I'm not tripping over the words of what's going on. The Lakers traded away. What's it? Thomas Bryant for Devon Reed? for Devon Reed, who is a relatively innocuous player, and getting Devon Reed in three-second round picks for Thomas Bryant, and then trading away Patrick Beverly for Mo Bamba. So the Lakers have successfully got rid of Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, Patrick Beverly, Damian Jones, And flipped that and turned it into D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Juan Toscano Anderson, Russell Westbrook, and Patrick Beverly. Those three names, I said they got to get off. They got to get them off the books. They got to get them off the roster. Because Juan wasn't doing anything at all. Westbrook was hurting the team more than helping even with them being better off the pitch. And Patrick Beverly was being absolutely nothing to the table. Nothing. A three-point shooter that wasn't doing anything. His greatest games just came from when we were about to trade him. When I say we, I'm talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, I'm a Spurs fan, at least until Greg Popovich retires. But for the Lakers, Patrick medley did absolutely nothing. The all of a sudden, when he was getting ready to get traded, and it was a deadline was approaching. What happened? Put back dunk out of nowhere. Clutch threes out of nowhere. Making moves out of nowhere. Playing like I've never seen him play before over recent years. Becoming memeable more than ever. He's been memeable before. What the world? All of a sudden, it was like he was playing for his job. (laughs) But this team got rid of every single piece that I was hoping that they would give it up. Hoping because I thought it would never happen. Moved from Russell Westbrook while his capital was still high. Highest it's ever been, and probably ever will be, at this stage in his career. Got rid of him and moved him off the books. Got rid of Juan Desconnell, who was, again, unused, relatively, not relatively, was doing un- nothing even when he was on the floor. A six-six brother that was athletic but wasn't doing a lick of anything. Damian Jones, they never used. And Patrick Ruffley, who was, and eh, whatever, Thomas Bryant, he moved. He was unhappy with his role. As, and while I wish they had actually put him in the starting rotation with Anthony Davis, because when when Anthony Davis got hurt and he was playing, he was putting up some major numbers. Legitimately became an offensive talent. Showed what he could do and was a great three-point shooter. average was 16, 18 points a game. Had a couple 20, 25-point games. Was playing phenomenally. And then when AD came back, got his minutes and roll severely reduced, I wish the Lakers hadn't done that. But even with that, this move is great. Because now you get D'Angelo Russell, phenomenal shooter. Malik Beasley, shooter and defensive presence. Jay Vanderbilt, shooter and defensive presence. And Mo Bamba, defensive anchor, who shoots can come off the bench or start in a perfect world that would have him starting with Anthony Davis because Mo Bamba, we're not a great shooter but can pull it deceptively because with his size and can play center AD can play power forward like he likes to play all is right with the world and then you can run a roster of, of D'Angelo Russell shooting the best case scenario D'Angelo Russell Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Mo Bama. That's what you could run with this roster. Then off the bench, Schroeder, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and then Wayne Gabriel, even though we hope they go out and get another center through the buyout market, and whoever else you want. And then Austin Reed, Excuse me, I forgot. Now the Lakers have depth. Lakers have shooting. Lakers have defense. Lakers have youth. Lakers have talent. Lakers have floor spacing. In the first game without Russell Westbrook, they led the Milwaukee Bucks for almost three quarters. Inevitably, they lost. Because again, the Milwaukee Bucks are a better team. But without LeBron, solely with AD, and with no Russell Westbrook, they held, not held, they were beating the Bucks for three quarters with a fluid offensive style. Austin Reed was showing out, crossed up Giannis Antetokounmpo, legitimately crossed up Giannis Antetokounmpo, and finished with a pretty scoop layup. For three quarters, this team looked like a team I had never seen before. Fluid like I had never seen them since 2020. The weight of Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly being gone opens up the floor so much for everybody else. Shoot, Troy Brown looked comfortable. Austin Reeves looked comfortable. Vui looked comfortable. Dennis Schroeder looked comfortable. AD looked, everybody looked comfortable comfortable yes they lost the game but what i'm i'm not looking at the wins and losses even though they are the most important thing in this situation i was looking at how would an offense look and what i thought was going to happen my hypothesis how open and breathable would the offense of the lakers be now that russell westbrook the roadblock that he was is off the roster and it looked so fluid so fluid people who can actually take mid-range buckets were taking mid-range shots people confidently taking threes off the catch no more stagnant offense handoffs skip passes all of it everything looked loose fluid Uh, a willingness to play free that's what it looked like not bogged down by the by the weight in the ball and chain that was Russell Westbrook. No longer is that the case anymore. And now we get to see a team, once DeAndre Russell, Milly B.J. and Jerry Vanderbilt and Mo Obama play, along with A.D. and LeBron, this whole team is exactly what we've been asking Rob Pelinka to do. This is what we've been asking for in terms of get LeBron some help. Now, we wanted, they wanted, and I'm not saying we, excuse me. They wanted Kyrie Irving. They should have gotten Kyrie Irving. That was their best scenario, get Kyrie Irving. Even with them not getting Kyrie Irving, this is as great as as anything they could have done. This is as good as anything they could have done. Because they filled about every single pothole that they were struggling with on the roster as well as keeping core pieces, keeping Austin Reeves, keeping Maxine, keeping Dennis Schroeder, on top of adding D'Angelo Russell, adding Malik Beasley, adding Jerry Vanderbilt, adding Mo Bamba. You are now looking at a squad that, from what I can, not, they're not going to win a championship. No, they're not going to win a championship not going to win a championship. But if they can somehow find a way to keep the majority of this team together as well as side some other people come the offseason. You're looking at the building blocks to one, what will keep LeBron here in Los Angeles or keep him there in Los Angeles and two, the building blocks to potentially revamp the roster to win a title. Not this season. But the the next best thing is making the playoffs, which is what I can say was a far cry away from what I thought this Lakers roster could actually do. Now, however, this roster is actually redeemable. It's redeemable. It it is absolutely redeemable. And there's some history involved. Mind you, D'Angelo Russell now gets a chance to redeem himself after the the, the fiasco that was when he first got here. Le- uh, uh, leaking a video of, his, of Nick Young cheating on Iggy Azalea. Admitting to cheating on Iggy Azalea. While Nick Young was absolutely in the wrong. Let's not get it twisted. Nick Young was in the wrong for doing that. But the code of conduct amongst players... And the trust amongst players was absolutely broken with D'Angelo Russell doing that. And then boom, they had to get him out of there. Regardless of how talented he was, he was, he, he at that point had ostracized himself on the roster. Now he gets an opportunity to make anew what he messed up. Just how he conducted himself in that situation. Now, clean slate. Now it was a clean slate. And he's a great Three-point shooter, and he can get to the rim. Can draw fouls. Can hit can hit floaters from the mid-range. Can run the break in transition. Can run an offense by himself if necessary. Him and AD as a duo when LeBron's off the floor can be great. Defensively, he's a liability. But now we have a bunch of other defensive assets like Mobamba, like Jared Vanderbilt who can legitimately take up for that, this is great. This is great. This is exactly what the Lakers needed. This is what LeBron has been asking, clamoring for. All his cryptic tweets, all of this, is not me, questioning on Twitter, all of these accolades now that he's accumulated throughout the season may not just be for show. It may not just be only for the sake of a feel-good moment. And only for the sake of history. Now there are t- achievements not just for history, but achievements on the road to fighting for something bigger during the season, which is at this point in time, the playoffs. Which is right now they're on the outside looking in, even the play-in tournament. And But this can be the team that can make a run to actually get there. And the one thing that can, the only thing that, with this squad, well, two things that can mess us up with this squad. Chemistry, and whether or not they can stay healthy. If they can't stay healthy, this team is not going anywhere. And of course, yeah, we say that for anything. Well, they can't stay healthy. Well, there's nothing they can do. But no, with this squad individually, if they can't stay healthy, their shot is done. And specifically, it's a major concern because of Who's on the roster? Which is Anthony Davis. Like Reggie Miller said last night. If when Anthony Davis grimaces, it's three weeks. And it's true. If he winces, it's a month. If he gets on his knees, it's a year. Good gosh, if he if he grabs a rebound, it's day to day. That's what it's like with Anthony Davis. Injury prone, like nobody's business. Ankle or back, it doesn't matter. The butt is hurt all the time. I wish he would switch to high-top shoes that gave him more support. Doesn't make no sense why he's wearing Kobe's every day. And I don't want to hear, oh, that doesn't make a difference. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. There's a reason why Steph Curry's shoes are made for Steph Curry. It ain't just because they're, they're fly. It ain't just because they got good grip on the bottom of their soles. It ain't just for a design... It ain't just for it to be designed to, to look pretty and look nice. Now, they're built for his feet and his ankles. And there's a reason why they're high top, because they help along with the other braces that he wears on his ankles to stabilize his ligaments, which is something that AD desperately needs but for some reason refuses to do. Wearing a guard shoe when he's that big don't make no difference. Don't make no sense whatsoever. Better off wearing some LeBron's. Them boots. You don't see him getting hurt. Often. <laughs> uh, this is just a jab at Anthony Davis. Legitimately so, he does need to wear better shoes, but injuries are a major concern with the Los Angeles Lakers squad, and because of that, that's what makes this such a great thing for the Los Angeles Lakers, making all these moves, as well as a great question mark, because at Any point in time, one domino can fall, and all of this can be for nothing, potentially, if health is a major concern. If it's not, though, now I can look at this team and say, yes, this is a team that can make the playoffs. Something that I could could not say confidently throughout the entirety of the season. Throughout the entirety of this season, I confidently could, could not say that. Could not say that. Could not say that at all. And again, just shocking all throughout this entire off season, not off season, throughout this entire trade deadline. Mind you, this Lakers trade was made before the Kevin Durant trade, and so when that, when the Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant trade happened, everybody was thinking, "Oh shoot, Lakers are back in contention. Yo, they could actually." Make some legitimate noise, not just playoffs, but if it works out great, best case scenario, can this team ever shot at the title as unlikely as it sounds? And all of a sudden, the KD trade came through. Oh, shoot. Couldn't even enjoy the Kyrie Irving trade. Couldn't even enjoy the Westbrook trade. Now this is going on what this, I'm telling you, this is the most exciting trade deadline that I've been a part of in recent memory. This is one of the most impactful trade deadlines I've been a part of in recent memory. This has shifted the balance of power of the Western Conference and flipped it right on its head. Nearly every major top 10 player is in the West right now. As crazy as it sounds, the West is stacked. Stacked. It's stacked: Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, LeBron, AD, Kyrie, KD. All of them are in the Western Conference. This is the this is one of the steep this is one of the deepest Western Conference uh, 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 scenarios that I've been living to witness. It's never been this competitive out in the West in a long time. It's always been competitive, competitive. But this is ridiculous. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, again, Nicole Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. I can, like, everybody, everybody is in the West. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. Now, everybody is in the Western Conference. It is it's mind-boggling. I, I, I legitimately don't know how. To pro- I didn't know how to process all this. I, 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 for real, did not know how to process all that I just saw transpire on that happened. It was it was a whirlwind of absolute chaos and confusion. All of this happened right after LeBron broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. The NBA could not handle LeBron's or LeBron breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. We hyped it up for so long. We were we were waiting on it, clamoring for it. All of it happened, in and, and and all the noise and hype around it. Then when it actually happened, the NBA just broke. It just broke. It couldn't handle it. It was too much. And now we because of that we get to witness one of the most we got to witness one of the craziest trade deadlines I've seen at essentially the stroke of midnight. And a Western Conference stacked with talent on top of talent on top of talent. Again, need I go down the list? Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Jaron Jackson, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Demontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Luca, Kyrie, Kawhi, Paul George, KD, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram like what the world Carl Anthony Towns Anthony Edwards Steph Curry Clay Thompson Damian Lillard Shea Gilgis Alexander LeBron James Anthony Davis it 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 oh gosh it 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 it, it is who I'm telling you. I'm lightheaded just talking about all this stuff I can't wait for it. This is gonna be the this is gonna be one of the best second half of seasons I've I've lived to witness. I am wholeheartedly here for it. I'm here for the craziness. I'm here for the drama. I'm here for it all. And we can see even more moves happen come in the offseason because a lot of these players are only on one year deals. A lot of them are only on one year or at the end of their contracts. So after this season, if a team doesn't choose to sign them or doesn't have the money to keep them, we can see even more moves. Across the entirety of the league, couple that with what's going to happen in free agency, it's about to be just a, a a crazy experience throughout the entirety of the year. Absolutely insane. And to end off this whole show, good gosh, to finish off what was already a crazy week, lest we forget, it it just about begun with LeBron James breaking one of, if not the greatest NBA record in history, he, on Tuesday at 12.05 a.m., or or, or, or was it, on a Wednesday at 12.05 a.m., or, or late Tuesday, whatever it was, nearly at midnight or close to midnight on a Tuesday night, became... The all-time leading scorer in NBA history, with thirty, was it thirty-eight thousand three hundred and ninety points, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on a fadeaway two from the top of the key from the free throw line. Let me tell you something about how impactful this record truly is. This we were hyping up about it. Like I like I just stated before, hyped it up, hyped it up, hyped it up. king you come? I legitimately thought that I was going to die before I saw this record be broken. I thought that I I kid you not. I thought that I was going to die before I saw Lebron James break Creamy Abdul Jabbar's record. It was going to be. Legitimately something that I only thought was gonna live as a pipe dream. Just just an an, an, a, an unattainable number. A number that to be perfectly honest seemed unimaginable, unattainable, utterly impossible. In absolute a dream. That's what it was that that's what I truly thought it was going to be it was a dream of a of an accomplishment because you you the reason why you hear so many people you see you hear so many times people consistently talk about these old athletes people constantly talking about what they got to witness. There's a major event. The shot for Michael Jordan. or Wilt's 100 point game. You know, I doubt nobody's alive to have seen that. Watching Oscar Robertson play. George Gerving's finger roll. Watching Michael Jordan score 63 at the Garden. or Excuse me, was it 63-68 at the Garden? Kobe Bryant's 81 point game. Uh, the Lakers three-peat with Kobe and check. Kareem's skyhook in the finals, Magic Johnson's uh, uh, MVP performance when Kareem was hurt, when Magic played center. All of these different things that we get to see and, and witness in terms of historic accomplishments. Never, though, did I think that I would be able to witness this. This is something that it's been 40 years, 40 years, almost 40 years since this record was established by Kareem in 1984. And up until now, nobody has seen it broken. People have died. With the. With, with the solace, with the solace and the confidence in that, that the record would never be broken that the record would never be touched both athletes and fans have killed over passed on crossed over to the other side rested in the embrace of death with the confidence that kareem al-jabbar's record would never be broken i thought kareem al-jabbar would die before this record would ever be broken I thought it, the big three of sinners, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Kareem, all of whom had in some way or another had a relationship and played against each other in some connective way. Bill played against Wilt. Wilt played against Bill. Wilt also played against Kareem. And Bill got to watch them play against each other. They're all connected, that big trio. All of them are connected. I thought that trio would die along with me before I got to see Kieran Dujabar's record be broken. And it was broken by a past first guy in LeBron James. This begs a legitimate question, not just in the greatest of all time argument, but in terms of as a scorer, what do we categorize LeBron as now? Because people often said, doesn't have a killer instinct, isn't clutch, kid doesn't have a bag, can't score like a KD or Kyrie or whatever, doesn't have the ability of a Kobe Bryant. Yet we're sitting and looking at this, seeing what this happened, seeing 3,000 or 38,000. 390 points ain't counting For a pass first Guy It doesn't make Sense And anybody who wants to Negate this as a legitimate Accomplishment because of It's a longevity achievement One Green was averaging 10 points When he broke this LeBron's averaging almost 30 did, has done that for the past couple of seasons. On top of that, if you want to bring up the whole, but well, Michael Jordan only played 13 seasons, or was it 15, 13 seasons, retired, and then came back, and then retired again. If he didn't take the break, all oh, this would be further along. I'm not to get. I'm not neglecting whether that would be or wouldn't be the case. But the flip side of that is even with that being said and him being a dominant scorer it doesn't change the fact that not only has LeBron done this but he has not stopped doing this. It's been 20 years straight that he's done this. That he's been able to play at this high of a level. Then you would probably bring up well Michael Jordan only played less than LeBron, and LeBron got an earlier start at the age of 18. I have a butt to you. LeBron, uh, excuse me, Jordan also went to college, got coached under, was it was it Roy Williams? Whoever, uh, whoever was the UNC coach at the time, famer. And the name's eluding me at the moment. Got coached, cultured and molded into what a professional not just athlete but player should be and with that when he came into the league was better equipped for what he expected when he got into the NBA and then was able to take off furthering once his evolution began how quickly it took how quickly it took hold. LeBron did not go to college. Yes, he started earlier, but he had no mentor. He had nobody guiding him. He had nobody to teach him about professionalism and how to carry himself, not just off the court, but even on the court as well, and how to manage himself and adapt himself versus what he's going to go up against in the NBA. He did not have that. He had to learn that on his own. And from that, He did this. From that point on, he went and never averaged 20 for his entire career. Or never averaged under 20 for his entire career. From year one on, never averaged under 20 for the entire career. While having all the keys put on his shoulders from the jump. Even when his team neglected him. Remember, Darius Miles was in the interview saying, we don't need Lebron." I don't recall that happening with Jordan when he got on the team. I don't recall LeBron having a a mentor to guide him and prepare him for the NBA like Jordan did. Again, these are not critiques to both. These are not critiques on Jordan's career. I'm not putting down what Jordan did. It's not what I'm doing. What I'm not going to do is sit here and let stupid arguments such as that be something that you hold against LeBron for being able to last this long and be this productive and be this consistent, if anything, elevating his game, at least offensively, to this level and I hold it against him just because he's been playing too long. When, the, when those same detractors would bring up the, the very scoring title that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holds as one of the key factors as to why Kareem should be deemed the greatest of all time. And never bring anything about longevity into it. Never bring anything about longevity into it. Not one thing. In fact, they, they lauded that as one of the criteria because he was able to be that consistent for so long, even though in the later years he dropped off. Again, no disrespect. The, the praise is due. But you can't do that and then hold this against him. It's a double standard. I'm not letting that slide. This is one of the greatest achievements that we've ever seen in sports, not in basketball, in sports. Not in one categorized area. In the totality of athletic events, this is one of the greatest things that we've ever seen. And he did it taking less shots than Michael Jordan. At a higher field goal percentage than Michael Jordan. At better efficiency than Michael Jordan. I'm not comparing the two. What I'm doing is showing you what makes this, one, so incredible, and two, why this should not be, in any way, shape, or form, a achievement that you should put asterisks beside, because any asterisk that you try to put beside it is nullified by the facts of the actual matter, if you are not stupid and actually look at it. Because you can nitpick everybody's game if you wanted to. We could. We could nitpick how Jordan did fall short in the finals. Shooting abysmal against both the Supersonics and the the Detroit Pistons. We could bring those up. We could bring how he was a terrible three-point shooter. You now the only time he was a great three-point shooter was when the line got moved up nine inches from what we see the NBA three-point line today. Tried it for one year. Moved the line up nine inches. And he from that season he was shooting 20 in the in the low 20 percentile for three point shooting to 50% from three. And then the year they moved it back, went back to shooting 28, 29%. We can nitpick people's careers all day long. We can. But there's no point. All we're simply doing, and all you should do in this situation, is look at this, again, one of the greatest achievements that we've ever seen in basketball history, and sit back and say, regardless of what you want to say about anybody else that's played the history of the game, whether it's Jordan, whether it's Kobe, whether it's Kevin Durant, whether it's anybody, nobody else, regardless of what context or what elevated level, or, 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 what uh, perfect situation that we would put anybody in, any player in history. There was nobody that we thought that would actually make this happen and actually break the record, even in the best case scenario. Nobody. There was not a soul that we thought would ever, even in given a perfect situation, break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record, and LeBron actually did it. There's nothing else to say but. Stand up and applaud. There's nothing else to say except clap, cheer. Don't nitpick. Don't try to hold anything against him. Don't try to say it's just a longevity thing. Oh, he played long enough. Vince Carter played 21 seasons. Tim Duncan just about played 21 seasons. And Tim Duncan's one of the greatest big men that we've ever seen. The greatest power forward that we've ever seen. Shaq played a number of years. I can keep going down the list of players who played long, incredibly long, and couldn't do what he's done. That's not just longevity, because if you're just saying longevity, you can use that as just, you can use that as a point of detraction for people. Oh, well, if you're in it long enough, you'll inevitably do it. This isn't a point of detraction. This is greatness. We are witnesses to what we're seeing from LeBron James. And I don't care how you feel about him. I don't care where you have him. Unless it's not top two. Then I have a problem. But amongst that, I don't care where you have him. I don't care who you feel is better. I don't care. I, I I I don't care. The only thing for this specific situation that I care about is that regardless of who you look for, regardless of whatever you watch basketball in, regardless of how much you love or hate LeBron, regardless of how much you you're passionate about him or how much you don't care about, him, regardless of how much you're of a fanboy you are about Jordan or not, I don't care. This is the situation. This is a point in time when everybody should be able to just look, stand, sit back, and be in awe, and and just simply give props to. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. This is special. Well, this this is one of the most special things that I've ever witnessed. He made the impossible possible when even the best that we've seen couldn't make it happen. Regardless of who you think the best is, even the best that we've seen couldn't do this. And he did it. We've seen the game evolve and nobody come close. We've seen the game open up and nobody come close. We've seen the game change and nobody come close. And he actually did it. In a versatile way. There's nothing you can say but applaud. There's nothing you should say but applause. There's nothing you should do but clap. Isn't, and, and excuse me, not, a, not to say, nothing that you should say except for I just witnessed one of the greatest players do one of, if not the greatest things in sports history. Solidifying himself in a hierarchy that nobody will able to push him off of in the history of the game. Nobody was able to push him, push him off of. There's a level that he's reached that nobody was able to, that, that has been cemented in a fashion that we haven't seen another player this place in history as. Never seen it done this way. We've never seen it done this way. LeBron James has, has credence to be called one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest ever, whichever one you want to say, and one of the greatest scorers ever. And has legitimate claim to be called the greatest scorer ever, if you want to. Because if you can do it for Kareem, you can do it for LeBron. I don't want to hear no stupid takes from anybody talking about all right, well, uh, you could you, you is he really a score when when I was just watching first take and hearing whenever this topic of greatest score came up, even before this record was in the mist, People like Mad Dog or whoever will bring up Wilk Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Well, because of the 100 point a game and 50 point a game season, rightfully so, he deserves to be in the conversation. And Kareem, because of the skyhook. His words, his words, not mine. His words, Mad Dog, and a bunch of other people that agree with him. The skyhook. The most points in NBA history. How can you compete with that? Well, now. Well, now, how can you compete with this? If you want to be consistent, be consistent. You can still call him one of the greatest ever. You can still call him one of the greatest scorers ever. Absolutely. But that same argument that you used for Kareem, you now, based off of continuity, have to use that for LeBron. If you were using it before. You have to. Because now he's got legitimate claims. And me, I'm not saying he's the greatest. That's not what this whole thing is about. This whole segment is to simply tell everybody that you just witnessed something that, again, most of you thought you were going to die, me included, before you ever saw it happen. And now that you've got to see it happen, there is no reason in the world that you should be nitpicking or trying to pull apart something that we probably won't see again until we die. Most likely. Which I hope and pray is no time soon. we'll, We'll be sitting here talking about a record that we will tell our grandkids about and our great grandkids about and they'll be telling their grandkids about. I was there when I saw LeBron Break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. Where was I? And I can ask other people, where were you? We are a select generation that's able to say, where were you when you saw LeBron break Kareem's record? That's the moment that we're living in. Don't cheat that by doing what the NBA world likes to do and try to nitpick, and tear apart a legacy-defining moment all because it doesn't work in favor of a player that you deem as the GOAT or because it's a player that you don't like. That's stupid. That's ignorant. It's ridiculous. And you're cheating yourself and every other fan who watches the game of basketball. There's no there's no reason for it. And I ain't letting it happen. We are witnessing greatness, and we are going to appreciate it. Until it ends. I'm not going to let myself get swayed. And get and, and, and get clouded. Because people want to do say something. Just to get a rise. Just because oh it's not Jordan. Or it's not Kobe. Or it's not their favorite player. All oh, that stupid mess. We ain't, we ain't dogging with that. It's not how we run in here. Witness greatness. Appreciate greatness. After that. You can have a sensible debate. But it's strictly talking about what was done. Don't cheat it. Don't cheat what was done. Do not cheat what was done. Because if you are, you're only cheating yourself. That's That's the bold truth. You're only cheating yourself if you do something stupid like that. And I'm so glad I got to see it. In my eyes, this accomplishment, coupled with the other criteria that I've had for him, which was if he broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record, one defensive player of the year, and one and won a couple championships, I was gonna say he's the greatest ever. The only caveat that I didn't foresee happening. Which was he won one championship. Broke cream. I do it, record. While he didn't win defensive player of the year. Even though he should have won it against Mark Marcus second was second. Team. All defensive. Yet one defensive player of the year. Dumbest vote I've seen in NBA history. Stupidest thing I've seen in NBA history. Whoever did that is absolutely. Befuddled. Slap him upside the head if you he can. But the one criteria that I didn't see, was him, if he breaks the record, if he's still playing at the same offensive ability and same just ability as a player, and elevates himself to where he's playing even better than I've ever seen him play on the offensive end and just as well as on the defensive end, or at least as well as we know him to be, Yeah, that was something I didn't foresee. I didn't see that happening. And with and that's how he breaks the record. Shoot. That's still it for. Me. LeBron James is the greatest player that I've ever seen. I'm standing on that. I'm rocking with that. I've been on the fence because I knew what I was looking for. I knew what I was looking for before I could concretely say. Because I would go back and forth on it. I legitimately would now. LeBron James is the greatest player that I've ever seen. I'm not ashamed in saying it. I'll stand by. You can hate me all you want. I don't care. I do not care. I'll defend it. If you feel how you feel, that's completely fine. But this moment right here solidified for me. On top of him, not just being one of the best all around, the best all around player that we've ever seen. Not just being. A player with 10,000 rebounds and 10,000 assists. Not just a player that has broken, or excuse me, the only player that's done that. 10,000 rebounds and 10,000 assists. He, not only you see, or on top of the fact that he's ninth in steals. On top of the fact that he passed Magic Johnson for most assists in a career. And Mark Jackson. And Steve Nash. And is slated to be a pass first mentality driven player. And still does this when even the most killer of scores couldn't get here? LeBron James, on top of everything else that he brings to the game, LeBron James is the greatest player that I've ever seen. He is not number two. He is number one for me. And I will stand by that. And I'm not ashamed in doing it. Not ashamed at all. And if you don't think so, that's fine. This isn't for anybody to say or prove who's the goat and who's not. I have my opinion and you have yours. But despite any of that, this is to say what you saw on Tuesday night is something that most likely we will never see again. And because of that, you and anybody else around you should not nitpick and Tear away and try to rip apart what this actually means for the totality of NBA history. This is greatness that we will n- most likely never see again. Don't cheat yourself by trying to put an asterisk by it. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Because when you do, you're only cheating the game and you're cheating yourself. And then you can't be the astute, proud fan that I know you can be, that you know you can be. So don't do that to yourself. And don't do that to LeBron. Enjoy it, relish in it, be in awe of it, and put in the back of your mind, I got to witness history. And I got to witness something that will never be seen again. I got to share the moment with my pops, which was insane. But none of us thought, both of us thought we were going to be, we would never see this happen. Both of us thought we would never see this happen. We got to witness this history. This, this is a life moment. If you're a sports fan, this is a key life moment for a lot of people, for me included. Don't cheat it by being stupid. That's all. Don't cheat it by being stupid. So, this has been another episode of the Watch Report. I've been your host, on Luke Watch. My gosh, there has been so much that's been going on in the NBA. It is—it's ridiculous. We still got more to come. I can't wait to see how these teams play out as time goes on with these new rosters. It's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. We got still more to cover in all the sports world. Keep it locked right here and we'll be able to talk about it as time goes on. So I've been your host John Watch. You've been beautiful. This has been the Watch Report. Peace and love. We are out of here.